0: And now, The Travel Show with Arthur and Pauline Fromer. Your chance to talk to the publishers of the nation's best-selling travel guide series. Whether your travel destination is around your corner or any corner of the world, the Fromers will help you get the most out of your travel experience and save you money at the same time. And now, Arthur and Pauline Fromer. And this is The Travel Show in which we talk about vacations. Welcome, I'm Arthur Fromer.
1: And I'm Pauline Fromer.
0: And in the time ahead, we're going to be discussing travel.
1: And that's a conversation that you, the listener, might want to get in on. In the past, we have had guests on the show who are also listeners to the show. We've also had people come on to ask travel questions. So if either of those things appeal, email me to fromertravelshow at yahoo.com. But you don't have to be on the show to stay in contact with us, uh, I want to invite everybody to visit us as well. We have a terrific website. It's called Fromers.com. It is truly a labor of love. I write an article a day, as do uh, members of our crack team, and uh, lots of fun, interesting things there about travel, about culture, cuisine, history, you name it. We have a fabulous uh, newsletter that we highly recommend you subscribing to. It's absolutely free. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Just look for the word Fromers uh, wherever your social media is, by which I mean Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Now, we've been doing things a little differently here at the Firmer Travel Show in recent weeks because of the pandemic. We've been talking about the different ways people are traveling, or we've been talking about inspiration for future travels. Today, we're going to concentrate on what people are doing right now. And to be totally transparent, because... You know, things are changing so differently today. When I'm taping this, it is July 15th. So, this is the world as we know it as of July 15th. And here to help us discuss this is a true expert. Her name is Elaine Glusak. She has the she is the frugal traveler columnist for the New York Times. Welcome back to the Frommer Travel Show, Elaine. Nice to speak with you. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So we've been talking with a lot of great travel writers recently. How did you get into the biz?
2: Oh, um, well, it helps that I was a travel addict to start out with. I should say that. Um, But my career as a travel writer developed sort of organically. I I finished my formal education and joined the ranks of overeducated bartenders (laughs) and looked around for a career that would be creative. Um, And as it happened, I was working with a Uh, a graduate uh, of McGill School of Journalism, and we began writing in collaboration. Um, And it turns out there's fairly low barriers to entry for writers. Um, And I don't (laughs) mean that in a a bad way. Um, Right. You know, you just need a great deal of curiosity and good listening skills. Um, I was extremely entrepreneurial. um, And I felt that I could Give it a try as a freelancer. So um, I sort of learned writing on the job across a variety of topics, and eventually honed my skills enough to focus on what I really loved, which was travel.
1: And here we are today. Yeah, here we are. And you're you've been discussing the new normal in travel. I think you and the New York Times coined a term, isolationist travel. What does that mean? That's right. um, It seems
2: what everyone wants now is, um, you know, they still want to travel. Everyone still needs a break, probably needs a break more so than ever. But we can't really be together in the way that we would in the past. Um, So everyone is seeking more space. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone from, you know, group travel, which is becoming super small group travel, to uh,
1: people going out in the wilderness and um, you know camping things like that. Uh, um, let's so, so, let's, uh, let's start with that because I thought that was really fascinating. You you start your uh, article which is called uh, uh, in the New York Times the new Esca- escapism isolationist travel. You start talking about how Americans weren't that into the wilderness until recently. What what are some of the stats on that? Yeah, I thought that was shocking. Um, I
2: learned um, from the Outdoor Industry Association that uh, they say pre-pandemic that less than 20% of Americans spent time outdoors more than once a week. I mean, that's a a lot. I mean, that's a very low amount of exposure to nature. But in the pandemic, of course, people looked around. I mean, there's evidence that people, you know, got into birding. Um, Bike sales shot up 21%. Uh, sorry, 121%. Yeah. Um, naturally. I mean, it's hard to find a bike right now if you go out and try to find one. Um, right. Not, the sales of fishing licenses went up 50%. So there's, it's clear that people started to um, turn to the outdoors as as a refuge, and it's probably
1: the only one that was really available to them. And a lot of people decided to do camping vacations this year, which came with some problems because a lot of campgrounds decided to either reduce the number of campsites they had available to help with social distancing or simply didn't open this year. Uh, So what did you find out in terms of camping? Yeah, that's it's like everything
2: else now in this um, pandemic era. It's like you have to be so organized if you want to do anything right. Like I I want to go to my local brewery, which has a beer garden open, and I had to make a reservation seven days in advance. So it's a little bit like that with it's more so like that with travel, because as you said, either capacity is reduced or they're not open. And if and a lot of people have been really organized. So they've been filling up these spaces. I, I looked at some um, campgrounds myself and, and, you know, it's not uncommon that in the summer you can't get in. People do every year make reservations in advance for the big, popular, you know, especially national parks campgrounds. But more so than ever, it's super tight this year. So, um,
1: advanced planning is more important than ever. And you also found some unusual marketplaces for campsites that aren't the traditional types of campsites, right? Like right, camp yeah. and camp space. Right. And Tenter. I mean, it's, it's
2: kind of neat because it's really helps out the people that aren't necessarily campers and don't have all the gear. Like if you think about, gosh, do I need a tent? Do I need a cook stove? You start, you know, that could get expensive. And some of these um, sites like hip camp and camp space um, uh, and tenter um, connect you with private land. Um, And some of these private landowners will have, um, Sort of camps already sent up it's set up, like um, you know, a, a nice tent and maybe a bed in there. So it's a little bit turnkey, which is really nice for people that don't have all the gear.
1: Right. Absolutely. And and even if you have the gear, some of these sites will take you to places where you're gonna be the only one camping. It might be somebody's farm or their winery, which also gives you even more social distancing, I would think. Uh now, yeah. For anybody tuning in late, we are speaking with Elaine Glusak. She is the frugal traveler for the New York Times. She recently wrote a fascinating article on isolationist travel. People are not traveling to connect anymore, except to connect with nature, perhaps. Uh, And this has been a particular challenge for group tour companies. Just from the name itself, how can group tours be social distanced? Yeah,
2: that's a lot harder. Uh, I think they are really shrinking the group size. um, And they are, you know, staggering things like um, when they dine, you know, when they go to restaurants, things like that, they're providing more picnics, more individually packed foods. um, And uh, of course, all the sanitation measures that you know or are you know, best practices like masks and hand sanitizer and hey if we're biking let's stay six feet apart um so
1: it's just a matter of i think shrinking and and staying clean yeah absolutely uh and then you you talked also to some facilities that had been uh, as facilities for big conferences uh, and yet they too are pivoting to help travelers social distance. Can you talk about some of those resorts? Yeah, um, I, I think it's a pretty creative response on their part. Um uh, one example
2: for, is in um, New York, Hudson Valley, there's a 500-acre former um, summer camp called Cedar Lakes Estate. And they really used to do uh, a lot of wedding business in the summer, for example, or, you know, corporate events. And so they pivoted this summer um, they, uh, to becoming um, a, a resort. They, they have just 18 cottages. So, you know, 18 cottages and 500 acres is pretty good, you know, space. And they'll do things like, you know, if you want the volleyball court for your family at this hour, they'll reserve it for you. You know, Mm -hmm. if you want champagne on a doc, you know, you can order it from the concierge, that kind of thing. So they made themselves available for weekly stays as opposed to doing events. Um, And I should say a lot of the um, private um, pivots in some of these uh, companies are are super high end, Uh you know, you know, you can do, there's this one group called um, Embark Beyond where they're basically creating a a private camp. So if you and another family say, you know, you have kids similar ages, they'll they'll send you off to a resort with your own, you know, camp counselor and and you can be in your own sort of private bubble and you'll have that um, camp experience. um, And you'll also have that togetherness, um, you know, for about, you know a couple of thousand a week uh, <laughs> and i would more. assume I'm sorry, that, I'm
1: sorry it was $1,200 a night plus $2,000 oh, for the camera <laughs> oh my goodness that is <laughs> yeah. insane uh well for anybody <laughs> tuning in late we are speaking with elaine glusak she is the frugal travel columnist for the new york times we have to take our first break we will be right back Welcome back to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad, Arthur Fromer. And on the line with us today, we have Elaine Glusack. She is the frugal traveler for the New York Times. That's a fabulous columnist. Uh, It's it's a real, uh, uh, what's the word? Credit to you, because some of our best travel writers have been the Frugal Travelers, so congratulations on, on oh, that appointment, God. which happened right, right as the pandemic hit. Uh, right as the pandemic hit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've been talking about isolationist travel travel where you go, but you don't really commune with other people. You might commune with nature, but there are ways that you kind of stay in a bubble. But for many vacations, you have to fly to get there, even if you're going to eventually isolate. I know that you just did an article on the safety of flying. How safe is it? What should people know if they're thinking of taking a flight?
2: Yeah, I talked to um, public health experts about this. Um, You know, we've heard a lot from the airlines about what they're doing, which is significant. They're doing a lot. They're doing really intensive cleaning. They're cleaning, you know, intensively after every flight. Um, You know, they have these these highly efficient filters, you know, and they recirculate the air. And so you can hear that and still really wonder, is that enough? Um, So I wanted to ask the public health experts about that. And they, you know, their first answer is, do you have to fly? and maybe you do, you know, uh, a lot of us, you know, haven't seen family and, and, and deal to clients. So their first piece of advice was go to, you know, make it short. Um, short is better. Shorter flights are better than longer flights. Um, and why um, is that? Why less time in the air? So the idea is that you, You really can't social distance in the air. The airlines have different policies on whether they're blocking middle seats or adjacent seats. And even in that case, you're not going to get the six feet that the CDC recommends. Right. Um, So recognizing that, you, you know, you have to guard your own personal health by wearing masks. And of course, the airlines are. Um, requiring other passengers to wear masks and, you know, bring your hand sanitizer. And, and you know, basically the public health experts say, you know, you should be okay, but, you know, less exposure is better at all times. Um, one public health ex- expert told me that um, masks uh, mitigate the risk by 70%. So it's wow. even better than social distancing. So my feeling is you know, get in the air, maybe take a window seat, you know, where you have less uh, people going by you Mm, um, and have more control over that space. And then, you know, wear your mask. If you must eat and drink, you know, take it off very briefly. Um, On a short flight, maybe
1: you don't need to eat. Maybe you just eat before you go. Right. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you can do? I mean, are there certain airlines that are better than others in terms of uh, dividing people or not so much? Yeah, no, it does seem
2: like there's a divide between, um, you know, what airlines are doing. There's, you know, the two two of our major airlines, American United, have announced that they will fill their flights to capacity as demand allows them to do so, which is a change as of July 1st. Um, and we've heard from a lot of um, flyers that it's been uncomfortable in the air and they found themselves on packed flights. Hmm. Whereas um, Southwest uh, and... Um, JetBlue and, and Delta are all still blocking um, middle seats, I believe. Um, I think Alaska said they're doing it only until July 31st. Um, but, but these airlines have also said that they will make a decision um, and they may roll that forward um, yeah. and maintain that social decreasing. I know that they have a tremendous financial pressure. Um, sure. And yeah. as demand increases, it's hard for them.
1: So for anybody tuning in, we are taping this in advance. It's July 15th today. So things, by the time you hear this, things may have changed a little bit, but we think that the parameters of our discussion should be the same. And to anybody tuning in late, we're speaking with Elaine Glusek, who writes the frugal travel column for the New York Times. Now, one way you can avoid flying is by renting an RV. And there's been a boom, in RV rentals this year, as well as sales. It's something that you've written about. It's something that I wrote about on Fromers.com, too. But it's been astonishing the number of people who are trying this for the first time this year, right? Oh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, everyone,
2: everyone is doing it, you know. It's it's the year of the RV, for sure, which always sound, sounded like such a dad trip, you know. But now <laughs> you, it seems like fun, right? You just, you're traveling with your whole house. Basically, you're traveling with your kitchen, your bathroom. You have a lot more control over the hygiene of the space. You're getting sort of like your room and board and your transportation in one vehicle. So it also can be, um, you know, really affordable that way too.
1: Right. Although gas... Costs can be high. I actually did this type of vacation with my family a couple of years ago, and we were shocked by how how little mileage that the RV got before we had to fill it up again.
2: No, that's a very, very good point to make. Thank you for making that, Pauline, because they only get like six to 10 miles per gallon. That's yeah. really a lot.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, even with yeah. gas prices low. Don't go far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, you have to be careful about what type of RV you get because certain RVs, the really big ones, won't be allowed in some parking lots. So some people have to to, uh, put a car behind their RV and tow it uh, so that they'll be able to get around once in the destination. It was interesting in your article, you talk about the fact that there are different ways to rent, you can either rent it from an RV rental company or from an individual owner through a marketplace. What are the pros and cons of each?
2: Yeah, so you know, just like you have Airbnb, um, you you have a, a sharing platform for um, RVs as well. Uh, a couple of companies. One is called RV Share, and the other is called Outdoorsy. So you're renting and through those platforms. You're renting through you know someone else. So you have that. You might have those same concerns about is it clean. Um, you know what are they doing? You know to make sure this is sanitized before I get there. Um, the uh, bigger companies, you know, cor- corporations like Cruise America, which is the largest um, RV rental company in the in the nation, um, you know, they have you know very standard standardized cleaning policies. Um, so they are pushing that as their sort of competitive advantage. Um, you know, I think that the um, the sharing. The shared RVs um, are a little cheaper, although Cruise America challenged me on that. And they said, no, we we're, were, you know, we feel like we're very competitive. Hmm. Um, Sometimes I they have more character, though. <laughs> Right. Have more character and I will say I found a lot of I was just gonna say I found a lot of really cute like vintage um, mm. RV RVs that you could rent, you know, right. air streams and things That's fun. You know, the sharing platforms that was really yeah.
1: fun. Well, it's a fascinating article. Uh, once again we've been speaking with Elaine Glusak of the New York Times. She writes the Frugal Travel Traveler column. We highly recommend you read it. Thank you so much, Elaine. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome back to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad, Arthur Fromer. And on the line, we're very excited to say aloha to Jeannie Cooper. Jeannie is the co-author of Fromer's Hawaii 2020. She'll be working on the next Fromer's Hawaii book once everything is kind of settled down. And Jeannie, welcome back to the Fromer Travel Show. Great to talk with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So how are things in Hawaii right now? And uh, to any listener tuning in, let me state quite boldly that this show is uh, taped a little bit in advance. So today is July 15th. Things change so rapidly in the world right now. I wanted to get that out. So as of July 15th, what's it like to be living on Hawaii? Well, it kind of depends who you are, of course. <laughs> sure. um, if you have not lost your
3: job, which unfortunately is a fact of life for up to 25% of the people on any given island um, due to the impact on tourism. That aside, um, it's a very interesting time, in some ways beautiful. It's very quiet, of course. Um, We have 10 million visitors a year as of the last uh, two years, I believe, and yet You know, that's more than uh, five times as many people who live here, closer to seven times as many people who live here. So you can imagine like the roads are empty, the beaches are not crowded, um, its trails are empty.
1: It's a little bit eerie and it's a little bit beautiful at the same time. Wow. And they're going to stay pretty empty until September because uh, your governor uh, just recently announced that he was going to extend the quarantine he, it, they were going to move to a system whereby people could show a negative covid-19 test but he decided to roll that back and you're going to have to quarantine for 2 weeks to go to hawaii until early september that's, that's going to correct yeah that's that's going to cause a lot of hardship because august was high season for hawaii what do you think will be the impact will it cause businesses to close I'm hearing that
3: among some of the mom-and-pop restaurants, and in fact, some of those on Oahu, perhaps ones that visitors might not be aware of, um, have already uh, had to close. Um, It's just very hard right now because, of course, even if you haven't lost your job to unemployment, if your business is relying on people who might have lost their jobs, there's a rolling effect. It's not just the visitor Attended properties that are are seeing that. But you're right. um, The the date was moved to September 1st. Now, an interesting thing is, of course, for these uh, large resorts and even medium sized hotels that we have here, um, they need at least a month, maybe six weeks to um, plan for reopening. Hmm. So some had already planned to open in early July in anticipation of the Um, August reopening and what remains to be seen now, will they just stay open through September with no income coming in? Um, It's, it is a concern and it's definitely impacted uh, some of the places that I like to go to with either reduced hours or they're closed completely. Um, None of the Merriman's restaurants outside of one in Honolulu have been open during this time. Um, They only recently reopened with a beer garden, sort of outdoor aspect. So I think like the rest of the states in the country, we're kind of feeling our way. And it really does change
1: uh, week by week, if not day by day. Wow. For anybody tuning in late, we are speaking with Jeannie Cooper. Jeannie is the author of Fromer's Hawaii 2020. Uh, She will also be the author of our next Hawaii guide. Uh, Dad, what would you like to ask Jeannie? I'm
0: just uh, sort of interested whether any uh, white sharks have been discovered off the uh, beaches of Hawaii. This is a problem that is suddenly uh, appearing within the homeland, within the area of New York, where white sharks are being discovered. Any problem of that in in Hawaii? I
3: I have to say, fortunately, great white sharks are not one of the issues we have here. But in all honesty, we do have occasional sightings of tiger sharks. And in fact, there was a sighting of a tiger shark near a, a off a beach near me on Hawaii Island uh, just yesterday, so that was quite the talk of the town. But uh-huh. um, as just to reassure people, um, shark incidents are very rare, and they are a natural it, part of In Island.
0: other it words, goes, it's not a real problem in Hawaii, and and never has been, has it?
3: No, it it gets of course great press, uh, you know, attention when it happens. Um, but no, it's not a it's not a real issue here. Millions of people go in the ocean every day. Or I'm sorry, every
1: year and very few uh, incidents with
3: sharks are reported.
1: But with millions less going into the ocean, has been, there been a positive uh, effect of this pause? I mean, are you seeing things regenerating in Hawaii?
3: Absolutely. And we've been in a regenerating period, I think, because of some environmental restrictions and restrictions on aquarium fishing in the area. But people are reporting seeing more yellow tang, uh, which is a beautiful reef fish, um, just more sea life in general. Um, My husband went swimming at Hapuna Beach uh, on Sunday and saw three manta rays during the day. Amazing, beautiful creatures. And the feeling is, yes, with fewer people in the water, the uh, sea creatures are kind of reclaiming their own and maybe coming back from some of the hidden coves to the um, larger areas that, you know, they would have been afraid to visit before. So it's been pretty magical in that regard.
1: And also, I would think your your trails and your on-land areas might be more pristine than they have been in a while.
3: Yes, and I, I think uh, we saw this with on Kauai in 2018 after uh, the North Shore pretty much shut down for a year plus uh, for a highway renovation, that the trails and reefs and beaches in that area, um, they just really needed a chance to recharge from constant heavy use. And when it reopened with a reservation system for parking and, and limited numbers, um, what's been wonderful is that that area has been able to maintain that quality yeah. of um, How you know great. we have. More.
1: We have to take a quick break but we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad, Arthur Fromer. And on the line from Hawaii, we have Jeannie Cooper. She is the author of Fromer's Hawaii 2020. And we've just been talking about how this pause in tourism has really kind of reset the nature in Hawaii. That that, uh, fish populations are coming back. The trails are looking more beautiful and lush. How do you think has this been a, a lesson to Hawaii? Do you do you think that when we do get back to tourism, it may be of a more sustainable? Absolutely, um, people have been
3: talking about this for quite a while, but never really had the momentum or the opportunity to really focus on implementing it. Well, when you don't have any visitors, that's the perfect time uh, to. Say What should the visitor experience be like and, and how can we make it work for everyone, residents as well as visitors? Because I think, you know, visitors want to have the best experience possible too and they want to see nature in its best state and they want to uh, experience uh, local culture and local food and local music with people who truly want to share it with them in the most authentic way possible. So people here, um, everyone from community leaders um, up to, you know, major industry uh, types and, and political leaders have been discussing what do we want tourism to look like when it comes back. But we know it needs to come back. It is too closely tied to our economy to
1: sustain months and months of no visitors. So are you expecting Hawaii to be more expensive for visitors when it comes back? Unfortunately, sometimes when sustainability is truly uh, worked on, it it lowers the number of people who who can go to a place Uh, maybe i'm being cynical but do you think it it could be more expensive to go to hawaii in the near future i think aspects
3: of your vacation or visit here could be more expensive I'll, i'll give you an example we're moving more towards reservation systems for very popular natural attractions um The Kīlauea Point um, National Wildlife Refuge on Kaua'i, for example, uh, recently introduced a reservation system. Uh, Tickets are $10 for adults and there's a $1 reservation charge. Now, wasn't that too long ago that it was $5 or $6 to get in? But I think what you'll find is, particularly because of this prolonged uh, absence of visitors, that the big drivers of your vacation costs, your lodging, Um, your car rentals, and potentially even your airfares initially could be less, uh, certainly enough to offset the cost of that. But you'll definitely find um, Parks, uh, camping permits, beaches, things like that. I think really focused on limiting numbers for the
1: best experience. And you're right, that will drive costs uh, up in those specific areas. Specific, but it's it'll be less for lodgings. What about Airbnb? I know that Hawaii has gotten tough on Airbnb in many different districts where it wasn't allowed, and now they're really enforcing it. Uh, will that is that, true? What's happening with that <laughs> issue? Well, goodness, I mean, on Molokai,
3: they have reduced all the short-term vacation rental permits for for houses uh, to zero for the coming year, so that gives you an idea how tough they're they're getting. Um, You know, there's still quite a lot, and I will say on uh, Hawaii Island, the big island, many, many uh, vacation rental owners did go through a kind of arduous process to get permits, so there's still quite a number out there. Um, the prices will probably creep up a little uh, as a result of lack of supply. But again, we're worried here too about um, demand. We know that a lot of people have, uh, you know, lost jobs on the mainland and won't have the income to travel. So I, I think there'll be kind of an evening out um, where prices might be a little bit higher, but not astronomically higher right. uh, in terms of the lodging. There's still quite a lot of it.
1: Will there be any other changes to the visitor experience? Are are hotel? I mean, are there going to be fewer, say, operators for water tours or different museums? Or what can people uh, expect? I I
3: think you're going to find anything with the large group situation is going to substantially changed, if not. You know, uh, ended. We you know, I'm a fan of the breakfast buffet, I'll admit it. <laughs> and Hawaii has some of the most wonderful ones with tropical fruits and malasadas, which is this Portuguese donut hole and all kinds of goodies. And I'm not sure hotels have figured out, you know, if they're going to be able to do that, even in the post COVID world with concerns about uh, sanitation and right. hygiene and the luau experience. Hmm. Can you have a luau if it's socially distanced, wow. would it be the same? Um, you know, Hawaii is actually you know very fond of group gatherings. We have team sports like outrigger canoe paddling. We're trying to figure out how to do that when you're sitting one foot uh, away hmm. from, you know, the person paddling. That's not
1: fascinating? So yeah. So. I think it's kind of a work in progress, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. there'll definitely be changes. All right, well, we have to take one more break. We'll be back for a final segment this hour after these messages. You are listening to the Fromer Travel Show. Our guest today is Jeannie Cooper, who is the author of Fromer's Hawaii 2020 and will be the author of our next book to Hawaii, or the co-author, I should say. Uh, Jeannie, I know you've been a travel writer for quite some time. I've been ending each hour by asking our guests, why travel? Is it an important activity? I mean, it's an activity that we've kind of had to go away from during this pandemic. Do you think it's an activity that that should be resumed? Well, I think it
3: should be resumed mindfully. And I I think that mindful travel has always been important, whether it's we're going to see someone we love, we're going to explore something we really want to know more about. Um, If we're just going to a place and we don't really care where it is, we just need a getaway Well, maybe those getaways could be done closer to home in a way that doesn't impact the environment quite so much as flying in an airplane. Um, But I think, you know, many uh, authors have said this much better than I have, but travel in the right way really does open yourself up to other ideas, other perspectives. Um, a greater appreciation for the environment around us, and it often instills, at least in me in any case, a desire to uh, protect and preserve what I've experienced. Mm. I want to share what I've found with others, and I think that's why a lot of us become travel writers. We're so excited and so uh, enamored by what we've discovered on our travels. We want other people to have the same experience. Um, but to have it in a, in a way that ensures it's there for everyone for, you know, for years to come. And right. we haven't always done that in the right way. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are, are are really choosing our words carefully now and, uh, you know, still hoping to share that excitement, right. um, but also nurture that sense of uh,
1: a little bit of protectiveness. Over, so um, as I- a Hawaii expert, what does mindful travel to Hawaii look like in about a minute, if you can? <laughs>
3: Uh, Well, I think it means following the rules when you see a sign posted saying no trespassing or kapu, which means forbidden here, uh, don't go in, respect that private property. Um, It means uh, caring for the environment. Uh, Of course, the same things you would do at home, do here, you know, don't, don't, don't litter. Um, But also, um, come with open ears, listen to what local people are are saying and and seek out the native culture, the native Hawaiian culture, as well as the wonderfully diverse local culture here. Uh, don't stay just in your hotel room or on your resort. Do get out, and but also be mindful that people here are living their lives. So, you know, don't stop in the middle of the road to watch that beautiful whale. Uh, spouting, do pull over to the shoulder if right. you would.
1: Yeah. So people could get on their, on their way. Absolutely. Um, it's All a right. general
3: courtesy.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, we have been speaking with Jeannie Cooper. She is the author of Fromers Hawaii 2020. We thank you so much for, for joining us. And to anybody who is listening, who may be traveling soon, Dad, take it away.
0: We, we wish to you a very hearty, a very sincere bon voyage.